Please no flash photography or selfies during the show. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Doug Birch, and you are listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. On today's show, we have some uh, various news stories. Tesla prevented from going to China. Uh, we have a bear attack in an outhouse. We're going to look at the world's worst professor. And we're going to examine... Uh, you know, you ever read a terrible tweet... And then everybody thinks it's terrible, and they all start retweeting it and talking about how terrible it is. Is this the best way to handle terrible things? Do we amplify it or avoid it? We'll talk about these things on today's show. Spiritual Show. I am your host, Dr. Doug Birch, and I'm so glad you could join me uh, today. I'm recording this right now in my house uh, while my boys are watching the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And for those of you who don't know what the Snyder Cut is, uh, that's probably a good thing. That's a sign that you live a healthy existence, uh, unencumbered by the minutiae of Twitter uh, squabbles infighting, and crusades. Now, the, the Schneider Cut is uh, a recut of Justice League, and uh, it's four hours long. And uh, I would totally be watching it with my sons right now, but it's just a little too short for me. I just don't think they're going to be able to get in, in deep enough detail. If it was five hours long, I'd be in there right now. But four hours, I mean, how can you, how can you tell a good story particularly a good superhero story in just four hours. That, that just seems sloppy. But anyway, I'll get an update from the boys, and maybe someday when I'm um, unable to move, maybe stuck in a bed in some sort of coma, people can play the Snyder Cut for me, and, uh, you know, I'll watch it then. Uh, so uh, I have a few news stories going to go through here. Uh, also, uh, later, we're going to talk about, I think, something pretty important. The concept of, you know, we're supposed to stand against things. We're not supposed to allow terrible things to exist in our culture, uh, particularly uh, racism, misogyny, uh, violence against others, abuse, harmful behaviors. You know, we should stand against that stuff. But, but I've found that uh, sometimes when we're standing against that stuff... We're actually giving it a larger platform. And so I'm just going to talk about the struggles of that. I don't, I don't have an easy answer. By the way, if I ever do give you an easy answer, uh, I'm lying or I'm uh, disillusioned. Not disillusioned. I'm delusional. I could be disillusioned, but I'm delusional. Th these things don't have easy answers. I've got a book coming out, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. And although I try to offer some suggestions on how we can communicate better online, I really tried to avoid the simplistic, you know, the idea, you just need to do these five things and everything will be okay. Because I, I just, I don't believe there's just five things. And even in those five things, it might be, I don't know, this is what I'm trying to do. I hope it works. It's a lot more complicated than that. Uh, with this said, though, let's get to some news stories here, just some random things that have happened in the last uh, couple weeks. 
Okay. <laughs> this story, uh, first, warning. Is anybody, like, nervous of using outhouses? You know, like, particularly, I'm not talking about those porta porta potties. I mean, those those have their own problem, right? I'm not talking about those. But when you go camping, let's say at a national park, or you're in the middle of somewhere, you know, just in the middle of nowhere, and they have one of those quote-unquote toilets, and that's really, you know, that's... Maybe it's a toilet. Maybe it's just this huge hole in the ground. Um, but you know those kinds of toilets, those pit toilets. Uh, in the Washington State area, state parks were nice, right? You had these nice restrooms, nice bathrooms. But the national parks, not so much. And so you just have this hole, this toilet seat. And then, you know, it, it goes way down deep because I don't know how often they clean these things. But it's kind of the thing like, ah, oh, this should be good for the season, and then someone comes out and cleans it later. Well, as a kid, these things would just frighten me. I, I don't know about you, but this was frightening material. Now, again, here's a warning. If you're someone who already was frightened by these things, uh, this story is not going to help you. However, if you've not been, I might be creating a new phobia in you. So just keep on listening. So my fear was just there's something down there. And if I'd sit on that toilet, and it, and it seemed like you always had to do it like late at night, right? It's two in the morning, and you're like, I gotta use the restroom. And your parents are like, what? Why? What? What? Yeah, yeah, I gotta use the I gotta go use the restroom. And depending upon your age, when you were younger, you know, they went with you. As you got older, it was like, go with your brother. And then, <laughs> then when you got older, your brother's like, I ain't getting up with you. You go yourself. So you're going at night. And I don't know what the deal was in our family. Maybe it was just me. But I never felt like I had a good flashlight. But even if you had a good flashlight, you didn't necessarily want to see what was in the darkness, right? Because my fear was I was going to shine a light down into that toilet and there'd be eyes looking back up at me. I was always afraid like a snake. You know, we don't have a lot of snakes here in the Washington area. Eastern Washington, you got some rattlesnakes. But most of the places that I went with my family, it wasn't, you know, snake bites were not on the top of the list. Particularly snake bites... When it comes to sitting, uh, you know, on a porta potty or in a pit toilet, but that was like my fear. I was just for sure something was going to bite me, and you know that's like your worst fear. You're doing your business and something bites you, right? That, that that's just a huge fear. And uh, you're welcome. You're welcome that I'm already bringing that fear back. So here's the story. So this woman goes on, and I think it was her. I'm going to read the story, but her and her uh, brother they were way out in the middle of nowhere. I guess he lives out in a yurt somewhere. And uh, I don't know if they've been hiking, but just out in the distance. And uh, the woman decides to go use one of these pit toilets. So she sits down to do her business, and she gets bit. And immediately you know, yells, gets up, runs out. And uh, from the size of the wound, uh, she's thinking, maybe a squirrel bit me. You know, some sort of rodent, which, ugh, just thinking about that is still gross, right? But she has this fear, and so her brother goes in there to see what it is, because, you know, he's got to do the manly thing and figure out, you know, what is terrorizing people. Also, probably, like, if you got rabies, right? So he goes in there, and he opens the lid, and he shines the flashlight in there, or the lantern in there, and guess what's looking up at him? The head of a bear. There is a bear in the toilet, and its head is, like, the level of the toilet, it's just looking up at him. So he, he, he slams the lid down. 
and he leaves. Uh, this to me is just hilarious. I have to read a little bit of this for you. Uh, this is AP Mark Thiessen tells the story. Alaska woman attacked by bear while using outhouse. And here's how the story goes. Anchorage, Alaska. An Alaska woman had the scare of a lifetime when using an outhouse in the backcountry, and she was attacked by a bear from below. <laughs> I got out there and sat down on the toilet, and immediately something bit my butt. Right as I sat down, Shannon Stevens told the AP on Thursday, I jumped up and I screamed when it happened. A Stevens, her brother Eric, and his girlfriend had taken snowmobiles into the wilderness February 13th to stay at his yurt, located about 20 miles northwest of Haines in southeast Alaska. Her brother heard the screaming and went out to the outhouse, about 150 feet away from the yurt. <laughs> so the yurt they're staying in, there just happens to be a bear in the outhouse, you know, right next to him. There he found Shannon tending her wound. Then at first he thought it might be she was bitten by a squirrel or a minx or something small. Uh, says, so Eric brought the, the headlamp over, and this is what he says. I open the toilet seat, and there's just a bear's face, just right there at the level of the toilet seat, just look, looking right back up through the hole right at me, he said. I shut the lid as fast as I could, and there's a bear, and said, there's a bear down there. We got to get out of here now, he said. And we ran back to the yurt as fast as we could. <laughs> By the way, those yurts are not that secure, but but nonetheless... Uh, that's what happened. And they, she's okay. They were able to, uh, I, I don't know the details of exactly what happened to her, um, her bite, but we'll just, you know, we don't need to talk about everything. She survived. She's okay. You know, that's just a great story. When people say to you, eh, you don't have to worry. Like, don't worry. Nothing's going to happen. That, uh, usually they're correct, but sometimes they're not. And for me, Mr. Anxious, I remember that. They'll say, oh, don't worry, nothing will happen. Like, yeah, but sometimes something does happen. Well, that, you know, that only happens. That's like getting struck by lightning. I'm like, yeah, but people get struck by lightning. So I just wanted to bring that to you. Uh, next time you're camping, uh, you should probably shine your flashlight down there uh, before you uh, do your business because there might just be a bear waiting to bite you on the butt. Okay, so uh, here's another news story. This is from Jamie Ross, uh, China restricts Tesla over fears that their cars are sending sensitive videos back to America. The Chinese government has reportedly asked some top officials to stop driving their Teslas. Now, probably the main reason is they're just like, stop showing off. You think you're better than us? So they came up with this whole espionage issue. But anyway, uh, stop driving their Teslas to work over fears that the vehicles are constantly recording their movement and even taking videos of their surroundings. The Wall Street Journal reports the restrictions apply to some senior fi figures in government agencies, uh, the military and state-owned companies. Oh, that's got to be a bummer. You buy that Tesla, you're showing off to everyone, and then someone comes in and says, it's a national security issue. You got to go back to... Um, that Geo, or I don't know, whatever, your Kia Sorento. You, you, you got you to go back to uh, your Chevy Sport. Uh, you got to go back to your Suzuki Reno. Uh, trade in the Tesla. I don't think they have to worry about this. Probably, I think what's happening is these videos are happening because uh, they're probably not sending them to America, but they're probably sending them to Mars, 
where um, Elon Musk is building his secret evil lair where he will rule the universe in a few years. Okay, here's another interesting story. The world's worst professor, Canadian professor, refuses Myanmar students' midterm deferral despite web blackout. You might not even know what's going on in Myanmar, but here, Myanmar has endured... Oh, and let's see, who did this report? I always like to credit people. Um, this is from Jamie Ross, uh, too. Myanmar has endured nightly internet shutdowns for over a month since the military carried out a violent coup that has since left at least 149 people dead. So the fact that some of you don't even know this is going on, that's a sign of how disengaged we are with the larger world. Like some news is supposed to be big news for us, and other news we just don't hear about as much. Others I know you're listening going, I knew about all this and even more than you, Doug, and that's great. But the reality is 149 people have been dead, huge unrest going on in Myanmar. Uh, but it says in this new story, but for one university professor in Canada, that's no excuse for uncompleted coursework. Screenshots of an outrageous email exchange posted to Reddit show the student informing his professor of the, quote, total communications blackout in Myanmar and begging for a deferral of their midterm. Um, the professor responded that, quote, there is no deferral and added sarcastically, even the internet came down with COVID-19. The student replied that it was nothing to do with the pandemic, and that, quote, there was a military coup where I'm living, and almost 200 protesters have been shot. Now, of course, this is probably when a professor should say, you know what, I'm going to give you an extension, maybe a week, but no. The professor told the student, quote, the next time you miss something, it's over. Incredibly, the academic then questioned the student's experience of the coup, saying, quote, People don't get shot for protesting, but for a lot deeper reasons. <laughs> so uh, the university said in a statement that appropriate actions, quote unquote, have been taken, but did not elaborate. Uh, we've all had a, a professor like that or a teacher like that. I remember in junior high, I was in the hospital with IVs in my arm and there was a history paper due, and they asked for an extension, and the teacher said no. So I remember writing, uh, by the way, I don't think this would be tolerated now, but I remember writing the history paper uh, with a, a pen, with an IV in my arm, uh, not being too happy with how I was being treated. And by the way, I, I do not remember at all what that paper was about, but I do remember uh, the hospitalization. So Maybe that's a sign of what was important and what wasn't important. It's a reminder here, though, and I want to transition into this, is uh, things like this, you know, injustices like this. And I don't know the other side of the story. Maybe this Myanmar student was just not a good student, but you know, still, even if he wasn't, I think even bad students, if he's a good student or bad student, doesn't really matter. When there's a coup, hundreds of people being shot, total internet, uh, you know, lockdown or blackout, Probably, as a professor, that's the time not to hold to the syllabus, but to hold to humanity and say, you know, let's let's give you maybe let's give you a couple days to work on this. Maybe, you know, I'll dock your grade, maybe ten points, but we'll we'll let you do this. But the thing is, in the internet age, you can't be that unjust person, at least without getting found out. Sometimes you can. But if someone's upset with you, uh, there's gonna be a reddit, you know, or a subreddit. There's going to be a tweet. There's going to be an Instagram post. There's going to be a Facebook complaint. 
And if people get a hold of it, it doesn't matter what you think. You can't just control the interaction. Suddenly, the world of popular opinion comes knocking at your door. And now you have to interact with them. And suddenly, the conversation changes. So that, that is one of the strengths of the internet age, is that uh, if somebody is being bullied in private or there's a power differential, that that can be taken to the larger public. And I think some of us have used this that way. I, I did this. This isn't, this isn't a big justice issue, but I had a very bad interaction with a rental company. I, it was one of those, I'm not going to mention the name because it all worked out. But uh, I rented a car and they were, they were like, you know, here's the ease of rental. You don't even need to meet with us. You just drop the key off. Just show up, drop the key off. In fact, when I came there, it was just the key will be in the car. And then when you come back, just drop it off and you're good to go. Now, that was wonderful, right? I got off the plane. The car's there. I just get in. It's got the key. I just signed some things saying everything, everything looks fine. I'm on my way. Coming back. Didn't have to do anything. Just drop the key off. And then a couple weeks later, I don't know if it's a couple weeks, maybe it's a month later, I get this notice from a collection agency that I need to pay for the replacement of the windshield on my car because there's a big dent in it and I didn't get insurance. Well, a uh, couple things. I uh, did not see a dent there. They never showed me a picture of the dent and they didn't even talk to me about it. Just their practice was to send it to a collection company. Now, before I get into bitter land... Uh, instead of, I had a polite conversations with them that went nowhere, so I used the power of the internet. And it is amazing what the internet can do, right? I mentioned the name of the company, I mentioned what was going on, and they were like, oh, let us talk to people. And next thing you know, it was all like, oh, misunderstanding, no problem, you don't have to pay for this. Uh, but I thought about, you know, if the internet hadn't been there, I probably would have been stuck having to pay the $300 fine. So the internet has a lot of power to it. Uh, my book, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us, I, I talk about this, the power of the internet, the power of it to exaggerate really good things and really terrible things. But I want to come at just one issue here that troubles me. And before you think you know where I'm going with this, I, I'm a little unsettled on what to do about this. But this is what I find. Negativity trends on the internet. That's not a profound statement, right? You know that. But what troubles me is that I think sometimes we are actually carrying the water for really terrible people. We're doing their dirty work. We're spreading the most terrible messages. I'll, I'll just give you some examples. First, in hashtags. So, by the way, uh, countries like Russia and China, they have all kinds of fake social media accounts. And one of the things they are continually doing is just trying to cause unrest and instability in America's politics and in our social structure. Russia has whole trolling farms that the goal is just to produce content that inflames popular opinions and causes conflict in America. Now, one of the things you'll find is there'll be a hashtag that'll start trending. If you're not on Twitter, hashtag, you know, it's just that. It's the pound sign, right? I'm talking to the 80-year-old person. It's that pound sign on your phone, Grandpa. Well, the pound sign followed by something is called a hashtag. And this is what will happen. Uh, you can even see time-wise. You'll wake up, and there's a really terrible hashtag trending. And I think that actually has something to do with the time differentials between what time it is in Russia and what time it is here. So just some 
terrible hashtag. I'll give an ex- This is not a real one, but it'll be a hashtag like uh, Hitler was good. Right? And this is what will happen. People will see that Hitler is a good hashtag and they'll be like, that's terrible. So they use the hashtag and then say, Hitler is good is a terrible hashtag. I can't believe people would send that hashtag out. What's wrong with this country that people would do that? Another person will put, you know, Hitler is good hashtag and, and they'll say, uh, this is what's wrong with the world, that someone would post Hitler's back. And then if you just start looking, there's hundreds and thousands of tweets using this terrible hashtag to talk about how terrible the hashtag is. In fact, you'll look at the ratio and you'll see, is anybody saying anything? Does anyone even agree with this hashtag? How did it even start? And the ratio might be 1 to 100 or 1 to 1,000 for or against. And what you find is the reason this hashtag is now trending is not because of the terrible people using it, but it's trending because of all the people who are saying it's terrible. And it could be anything. You know, Biden is stupid. And then a bunch of people go, you think Biden's stupid, Trump's stupid. And then they'll, do, and they'll just go on and on and on. And what you find is that whether it's a trolling farm in Russia or whether it's just some guy who is just irritable or grumpy or just a bad person, they and maybe a couple of their friends tweet out something terrible. And then we all take that terrible tweet and we make it worldwide trending. I don't know if that's the best way to handle this kind of garbage. It seems like what we do is we take that terrible hashtag and we, we promote it so much that anyone else who's terrible gets to see it. They would have never seen it, but now they see it because everyone in the world is talking about it. But it changes the agenda, so we allow some of the most terrible people and the most terrible hashtags to set the agenda. Now, you find this as well, and I find this with Christians. There's a there's some accounts, and I, I don't want to promote any of the accounts, so I'm going to be vague because I don't want to help trend garbage. But, like, there's this woman who writes these really terrible things about how women should, you know, only be cooking and cleaning and be submitting to their husbands, whether their husbands are loving or not, and their husbands have a right to have an affair if they don't look pretty or nothing. It's just like the worst. It's the worst stuff. It's just terrible stuff, misogynistic stuff, terrible stuff. And so she has a ministry where she does terrible things in the sense that that's what she promotes, right? Well, if you even looked at her ministry in the beginning, she didn't have that many followers on Twitter. She didn't have that many people looking at her stuff, her posts on her website. Because, you know, everybody can have a website. Everyone can have a blog. Everyone can do what I'm doing right now. We can all have podcasts, right? But developing an audience is a different thing. But what do people do? Some people just go to her stuff continually to find anything she posts that's crazy or weird or inappropriate or misogynistic or racist or just... And they'll find it, they'll retweet it, and they'll write something negative about it. Can you believe how terrible this is? And, and then someone else will see that, and they'll retweet how terrible it is. And then I go through my timeline, and I've got this one woman who had hardly any followers, who had hardly any influence in the world, now influencing like one-tenth of my uh, Twitter feed. So it's one terrible tweet I see over and over and over again. 
I don't know if this is the best way to handle garbage. It seems like we're giving voice to the wrong people. What makes it particularly troubling is something like that will trend. You know, terrible things will trend. Horrible theology, like the world's worst pastor. You can have a pastor that only has 20 people in their congregation. And I got a small congregation, so I'm not trying to dog you know, smaller congregations, but the reality is that there's 20 people. It can only go so far, right? So they got 20 people. You can gather 20 people around anything. You can gather 100 people around anything. And so they say terrible things in their small congregation. They hate, you know, other people. And then we take their sermons and we take their posts and we promote it all over the internet. Now, someone might say, well, there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, we disagree with it. But actually, when you carry that out to the whole internet, It does reach people who never would have heard the message, who are just as broken and just as in a a mess. And they're like, thank you. You just showed me where I can go now. Now I know who to listen to. Now I know what podcast to subscribe to. So we actually connect them with other terrible people. On the flip side, there's some amazing things. There's amazing. The flip side doesn't happen. There's pastors with 20 people or 100 people who are preaching and teaching and doing amazing things, and their stuff doesn't trend anywhere. People don't listen to it. They don't read it. They don't like it. They don't retweet it. They don't say, hey, everybody, I need you all to pay attention to this. This person is saying something wonderful. Everybody, come on, pay attention to this. Now, occasionally people do, but for the most part, not so much. What trends is darkness. And I, and I, and I, this is, I just wanted to throw this out because I don't think there's a clear answer because I'm going to do the flip side of this, okay? But I think we need to be hesitant. To me, this is like letting Satan set the agenda. That's the whole point of what the Russians do. They they, they try to set the agenda. They, They make fake tweets and fake posts to inflame people, and then we carry the water and we start interacting with it. They it's basically they start a fight and they leave. Their goal is to get you to interact, not to even whether you agree or disagree, just to get conflict to occur. And we're doing the same thing with some people. And in fact, if these people are narcissists and they're extremists, negative attention is good for them. They like it. It actually emboldens them. They want attention. They don't care how they get it. They see negative attention as a sign they're being persecuted. So it doesn't make them go away. It doesn't inform them. It actually just emboldens them to create more garbage. It emboldens more people with terrible ideologies or politics or religion to unite together. And then it just has all of us focusing in on really lousy stuff. So we spend the week or the day on things that I don't know if that was God's agenda for the day. We let Satan set the agenda. But is that what God wanted us to all be focusing on? So the flip side of this is, well, Doug, you know, if you avoid these things... Uh, bad things can can bubble up and people can begin to unite around bad things. And if you don't speak against those things, you normalize it. And you know what I'd say? That is a valid point, And this is my struggle. Because there is a reality that if we don't talk about certain things, if we don't stand against certain things, if we don't speak against certain things, uh, we're complicit. We're, we're to blame. You know, we're seeing this right now with hate towards Asians. It's, it's incredibly irrational. By the way, hate shouldn't be rational. There's no, well, those people we should hate more than, you know, they're more likely we should hate or more likely to be racist or 
uh, you know, do ethnic slurs or whatever. Because, you know, they're, no, no, it doesn't matter. Every group, it's madness. Racism, prejudice is madness regardless. But we've seen an increase in hate towards uh, Asians. And why? Well, because of little things that went unchecked. Little microaggressions of racism and big micro, I guess you can't have big micro, macroaggressions of racism. But we've just thought they would go away. Are we just like, oh, you know, that's just those weirdos over there. That's just those extremists. Let's just, you know, ignore them and they'll go away. They not only didn't go away, they united and they're doing damage. It reminds me of a study I saw about uh, Donald Trump's tweets and using the term uh, China virus or Chinese virus. Trump uh, used that repeatedly, and he used it to basically deflect any criticism towards his handling that this is not about a virus that's impacting everyone. This is about you know the Chinese, and they're to blame, and let's focus in on them and not on our responsibility. But I saw this is from Blake Montgomery. Study finds Trump's Chinese virus hashtag let me say this again. Study finds Trump's Chinese virus hashtag tweet sparked a storm of racism online. Former President Donald Trump's tweet that used Chinese virus on March 16th, so that's about a year ago, right? On March 16th, 2020, ignited a storm of racist hashtags, a new study found. Use of Chinese virus rose to 8,351% what it was before... Um, Trump, uh, before the week before, before Trump gave that tweet. So before it, after he tweeted it, the use of Chinese virus and also of blatant racist hashtags along with it, it grew 8,351%. So he promoted and normalized the use of Chinese virus. And those uses of Chinese virus were also far more likely to employ anti-Asian hashtags along with the term Chinese virus. And far more than people who use COVID-19 had did not have as many uh, racist hashtags along with it compared to people who use Chinese virus. So in other words, Trump uses the term Chinese virus. The week immediately following, the rise in the usage of that is huge. And racist hashtags that go along with it are huge. And the racist hashtags don't go with COVID-19, they go with Chinese virus. In fact, COVID-19 usage for that only rose 379%. So 8,351% rise in Chinese virus use of the hashtag, 379% of the use of COVID-19 hashtag. This is from researchers at the University of California, San Francisco. Um, one of... Uh, Huswin, UCSF professor of epidemiology and biostatistics, said, quote, There was a lot of arguments that Chinese virus was a scientific term and was no different than COVID-19. But in fact, you see a large difference. Trump's tweet preceded a year in which anti-Asian sentiment both online and in the physical world exploded, with incidents of racist harassment on the rise across the country. And of course, we saw this the shooting in Atlanta massage parlor that killed six Asian women. And, and you can try all you want to separate these things, but these supposed, 
you know, insignificant, just, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's just, you know, president wants to call it this. We can call it something else. Yeah, sure, some people who use Chinese virus, they also say racist things, but, you know, they're always racist. Let's just leave that, you know, let's just forget about that. Let's just ignore it. And the reality is uh, hate crimes. So this is for me. If I were to argue with me, Doug, I'd say, well, Doug, you got to be careful. You can say like, oh, you know, just don't amplify the garbage. But the flip side is if we don't call out some of the garbage, it's normalized. And so that to me is the challenge. And particularly, I think the big thing for me is I want to call it out when people in positions of power and authority use it. If our president does something that's racist, I think we should call that out. If the leaders of magazines and newspapers and websites do racist things or do wicked things or things that just are harmful, we do need to speak against those things because those people are speaking to a large group of people. They're normalizing it. When when the host of prominent talk shows and radio shows and when influencers do terrible things or say things that are just wrong, we have to at some level call those things out because if we don't, we normalize that behavior. I saw um, online this week, and I'm, I'm going to close here, I saw... Uh, an editor of a quote-unquote Christian website just tweet out a really just racist thing. It was racist and paternalistic and just... And, you know, I know people go, well, how, how can you say it's racist, Doug? That's just your ideology versus their ideology. But I'm just going to say, like, when I was looking at the responses, he, he had moderate... Not extremists, not extreme far left, or just just normal people. Normal, educated people. Normal people who just live in the world we live in, who called him out. And it was one of those where a white man is telling black people how they should view the world, which is always problematic. I mean, I've got opinions on how everyone should view the world. i got opinions about everything. I mean, if you... If, I mean, I would. I would tell you... This is how, you know, I have opinions how women should view the world, how black people should view the world, how Asians should view the world, and white. I mean, I have opinions, but my opinions are not authoritative. And it would be foolish for me to think somehow that I could speak on behalf of all black people or all Asian people. Frankly, of all white people. To think, to think that I had that authority to speak on behalf of just in an erudite kind of, you know, this is how, what... You know, black people just need to understand this, and they've just been led astray by, you know, the liberal elite. No, that kind of talk is toxic. It's racist. Just the assumption that you, you, you could speak on behalf of a group of people that you know nothing of. You say, well, I know, I've heard, I've got a friend. No, no. <laughs> no matter how much you have, how many black friends you have or... Or, or, you know, even the sense of, I'm married to a woman, but I can't tell you what the menstrual cycle is like. I can't say, you know what women should do when they're going through their menstrual cycle? This is what they should do. Guess how much authority I have? I don't have any authority. You know what you should do when, you're con when you confront racism? This is what you should do. I have never been called these terrible racist words that others deal with on a regular basis. I haven't had someone... 
you know, say a terrible thing to me on the street or fear for my life or the life of my kids based on race. And so when someone's doing something like that, I do think it's our responsibility to call them out. Now, again, I don't think it helps just to say you're a loser and terrible and go away. Like, I still think we're supposed to try to, at some level, reconcile them. And reconciling can be this, to be like, you know, you're you're in darkness right now. You, you're, you're in a bad place. You've got a blind spot. You, you got to repent. Maybe repent's too hard, but like, you're wrong. And, and a lot of people think you're wrong. And the very fact that so many people who are moderate and just kind of normal think you're wrong you got to educate yourself. So this kind of discernment I think we have to have. We've got to have a deeper discernment. We can't just be, oh, let's just not get in conflict and not talk about anything. Uh, I don't think we can be this either. Everything we're going to fight against and, and get angry about. And I have to differentiate. If there's a person who's writing terrible things and they've got a very small audience of people and they really don't have much influence i got to be careful not to amplify their voice so that millions of people can now hear this terrible voice. On the flip side, though, there are people who have tremendous audiences and they need to be confronted with the truth, the justice, uh, the reality of the kingdom of God and when they are standing against that kingdom. It's love to confront them. So I just think we got to pray about these things, right? We, we all have work to do. And at a practical level, let's just look at our own life. Are, are we speaking beyond what we should? Are we speaking about topics that we don't understand? And if we are, can we at least put qualifiers there? Like, this is my opinion, but you know what? I don't know. Or when people confront us, instead of saying, you know, how dare you confront me, say, thank you. You know, that's clearly a blind spot. Or even if you disagree with someone, you can say, you know... The fact that we disagree on this means that I, I, I might see this wrong, and it would be arrogant for me to think that I know everything. So thank you. I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to think about that, and I'm going to try to communicate in a way that takes into consideration what you've said, and I'm going to try to find ways to educate myself. If there is a blind spot, I want to grow. I want to change. I want to be someone who's always growing. All right. Isn't that our goal? I, I hope it is. Uh, I want to encourage you, make room for the Lord. He does know you by name, and we're all called to grow in how we communicate. we got to, we got to have these kinds of discussions. Uh, so anyway, uh, by the way, just let you know, that's what my book is all about, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. Every chapter has ways that we can interact on onla- you know, online better, has posting peace challenges. The goal is to facilitate conversations about all sorts of things, about trolling, about justice, about everything that we do online and how we can facilitate a better environment for truth and love and light and life to shine in our social media presences. So I would encourage you to pick that up. Hey, make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. I will see you next time. Nothing.